everyone. Thanks to listening. Parents, 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 parents making a difference. I want to preface this by saying I was a participant in the Interagency Autism Coordinating Committee on IACC on Wednesday, and two people in the public comment period spoke up to say that they believe that children should be exposed to less screen time in infancy. Now, I don't think anyone actually intends to put their kids in front of a TV or an iPad for hours on end when they're 10 to 18 months old, but it just happens. Does it cause autism? No. But it does speak to the importance of intervening early on autism features or just promoting social communication interaction through personal one-on-one time. And who can provide that for kids under the age of five? Mostly it's caregivers, parents, or other family members that are doing it. There's no doubt that creating opportunities in daily routines, play, and other activities throughout the home during the day, rather just in hour-long bits in weekly clinic sessions, is important to social and communication development in infants and toddlers. You can get a couple hours here and there in the clinic, but you can really fill your bucket over the course of the day or the week by parents working with their kids. Now, parents may feel helpless, but they shouldn't. There are tools like something called the Autism Navigator, autismnavigator.com to help you. You're not alone. You may feel you're alone, but you really aren't. I know how you feel, but reach out to the Autism Navigator. Go there as a start. But today, let's talk about the scientific literature around parent-mediated interventions. Let's start with a review of the existing literature. Published in Frontiers in Psychiatry by a group in Denmark, the summary of articles were focused on these questions. Remember, systematic reviews are not just summaries. They're focused around specific questions of interest. So first, what's the overall effect of parent-mediated interventions for children and adolescents with autism? What's the effect of these interventions on parental stress, well-being, and quality of life? Which adverse events of parent-mediated interventions are seen? Now, what's the quality of the identified research in this field? And will current evidence of these parent-mediated interventions be sufficient to recommend parent-mediated interventions for children with autism? Now, this was not the first systematic review on the topic. This is an update of other systematic reviews. And I'm going to add another randomized clinical trial that was published a couple weeks after this systematic review came out. So this podcast will be the most current update of the literature ever. The final list on this systematic review included five other systematic reviews that were published over the years and also included from those 30 randomized clinical trials. That's where people get put either into a parent-mediated intervention and then another group got put into uh, treatment as usual or treatment without a parent-mediating component or just parent education. So this may be a good time to actually define what I'm talking about when I say parent-mediated interventions. In this type of therapy, the parents learn the techniques of the therapy from professionals, and they provide those therapies to their child at home. It's like a train-the-trainer model. Now, this can be done in a clinic or via the internet. And the advantage over the intervention in clinic only is that it gives the children with ASD consistent reinforcement, support, and opportunities for learning throughout the day. 
not just in two or one hour blocks every couple of days in a clinic setting. They can be intervention focused on joint attention, or they can be interventions focused on social communication therapy, and it can be even be behavioral therapies. The training between the parents and the clinician can be done in person, but thanks to COVID, it's mostly done over the computer. And again, if you want to get a little taste of this, go to the Autism Navigator and Baby Navigator, because they show actual videos of this being done. And while it isn't the direct parent mediation model of getting actual training, you'll get to see examples about how you as a parent can use daily experiences, even things like doing the laundry, doing the dishes, cooking and play, even going to the grocery store, maybe when COVID's over, or other sorts of activities to build skills. There's a webinar series for parents. There's a webinar series for care providers to help them provide this to parents in their homes. Now, parents are a huge part of the the journey of autism, and they should be. This isn't to say that parents don't normally do enough or that they need to fix something or that parents are part of the problem to begin with and need to work on themselves. But parents are the ones that spend the most time with their infants under the age of five until they go off to school. Now, parents don't also come from the same areas or context or levels of ability, Some parents work a lot. Some of them don't even have the skills themselves to participate in this intervention. And it takes a lot longer them to learn these skills than others. But does it work? So here are some answers to those questions. So in the systematic review, the primary outcome that they were looking at was adaptive functioning, and there was a small but clinically relevant effect on parent-mediated intervention. Most of the studies were done in kids under five, And a few in kids in the four to five-year-old group, which was good, it shows the potential benefit of the even after early intervention years. But the effects were stronger in kids under five. They also showed slightly improved clinician-rated core autism symptoms with parent-mediated intervention. The effect was less when all the studies were grouped together because there were so much differences across the studies and their results. When they looked at studies individually, the effects were much bigger, but some of the studies had a big effect and some of the studies had a much smaller effect. And when you mix them all together and you bring in the different types of people with autism and the different types of training and the different outcomes, yeah, the uh, effects weren't really seen that well. But parent-mediated intervention did have the biggest effect on disruptive behavior, and that was considered moderate. What about parental well-being? Well, there was a small but statistically significant improvement. The problem, again, was that each study was so very different with ones that had no effect compared to the ones that had some effects. Now, the small effect on autism symptoms was blurred by the quality of the studies and the differences across data. So some studies showed big effects and others showed smaller effects. Remember, systematic reviews take into account the size of the study and the overall scientific rigor. So in some of the studies, which are dealing with real-life situations of real-life parents and real life in their homes, outcome measures can be imprecise, and there's maybe a lot of mediating factors. 
In fact, one of the main messages of the paper was that there's a lot of different things that may affect outcome in these families that aren't always recorded. And that can be contextual factors. That can be racial and ethnic factors. That could be how many parents are in the home. That could be the severity of symptoms. That could be a lot of different things. Now, while other studies show positive effects on parent-mediated interventions, Sometimes there were concerns about how things were measured, the amount of control each study had over different sorts of conditions and situations that are in the home. When they looked at features of studies, what they specifically targeted were different. So in a systematic review, you take different types of interventions that look at different things, try to find common outcomes, but in fact, they're not all focusing on the same outcome except for maybe in a secondary analysis. I don't know if I'm, you're understanding what I'm getting to, but not only in the, is there a heterogeneity in the type of kids and the type of parents, but also the types of interventions. And again, because they're training parents, these are happening in real life settings where a lot of different factors cannot be controlled for like they are in the clinic. So there's bound to be a lot of variability. So how would you deal with some of these differences? And how do you deal with all the heterogeneity in the types of interventions and what they're looking at and factors in kids and factors in parents? Well, first, manualize the intervention. Be clear about instructions to parents. There are primary participants and they must actively train and be trained on different skills in the intervention, not just in the clinic, but when they're being used at home. Also, a lot of the studies included got dinged for quality because they didn't include adverse events. Now, we expect an adverse event from a parent-mediated behavioral intervention to be pretty small. And actually, there were very few adverse events reported in the studies that collected them, but not all studies collected them. Scientists need to add adverse events to their reporting so they can consider to be more high quality and their results can be taken more seriously. In another research paper, a group that in fact reviews the quality of different interventions and helps the public make evidence-based decisions led at Vanderbilt was published. So from a group that evaluates studies, how would they design a study and what did they see? Well, their study looked at the addition of a mindfulness-based stress reduction in parents who were trained to deliver an intervention because this stuff is stressful. Now, they did not see an added benefit of the mindfulness-based training. However, just with the intervention alone in both groups, they did see decreases in severity of autism symptoms, an increase in IQ, not a lot, but it did improve. So even in the best studies, the effect of a parent-mediated intervention is not universally beneficial. This is some of the problems in the meta-analysis of an intervention is focused on one thing like joint attention and is studied for six months, and then they looked at adaptive behavior later on. Now, is six months long enough to see the effects of joint attention on, say, later disruptive behavior and aggression? These are what is known as proximal and distal outcomes, and something that Michelle Sandbank in a meta-analysis last year identified needed to be done in future studies. Some things may be expected to change over a short period of time. Other outcomes are for the long term, especially those like language and IQ. Current studies are not funded long enough to see the distal outcomes, and a systematic review doesn't really take into the nuances of the intervention as focused on what you would expect the outcomes to be. So don't come at me. I still love a systematic review, and I'm not saying this because there were not overwhelming effects on one domain. 
I want to reiterate, no one single intervention is going to produce a complete reversal of symptoms in six or even 12 months. People need to be studied for decades. And also, we have to understand that kids and people with autism need a multitude of supports, interventions, and guidance and help. Parents also come from different contexts. These contextual factors are not always included in studies, and that's a problem. And also fidelity, how well parents adhere to the training, is not always included in the systematic review or even done all the time, and that may impact the outcome. So what about a study that did include the fidelity of a parent training? System factors are discussed, and there was a community-partnered participatory framework for more parent support. Our friends up in Canada with names like Jessica Bryan and Susan Bryson and Lonnie Zwagenbaum and Lori Sackery that you might have heard already published recently. They used three weeks of two coaching sessions, then another eight weeks of one coaching session, then call-ins and check-ins, and then they let parents go out on their own and they recorded children's behavior from a video recording collection and also did a clinical assessment of their own. There were 179 families involved, which was huge. Some of them didn't go to the training program, but were invited as part of another research study to share their research data and show their videos. So they probably got some sort of intervention, don't worry, but they didn't get nothing. And they didn't get what's called the parent-mediated social ABCs. Here they were recruited from the community, so they're receiving different services, and the study itself was designed by researchers, community providers, and agency leaders together. The group was diverse, and they examined those proximal or immediately relevant to the intervention outcomes, as well as things that might be expected to emerge or develop later, to develop on time. The intervention was focused on socialization and communication. The Clinician coaches were taught to foster a positive parent-coach partnership using a family-centered collaborative coaching approach that entails six techniques, active setup to create language opportunities, suggestions for collaborative idea generation on activities, positive behavior-specific feedback, identifying the impact on the child, narration, and noticing where more support is needed and scaffolding to ensure success. Now, in this study, things like social affect, language and communication and motor skills improved, but things like repetitive and restrictive behaviors as well as daily living did not improve. So the parents also effectively learned the intervention measured by fidelity and toddlers made gains in responding to language opportunities. Also, the fidelity scores or how well the parents were adhering to the intervention accounted for a big chunk of when kids improved and when they didn't. The better they adhered to the intervention, the better the outcome for the kids. Also important was toddler responsivity. The early responsivity of the toddler also predicted who would do better in the intervention. There are variables that are important and may explain why some parent-mediated interventions showed variable effects in the systematic review. I'm not saying this to shame parents who may take longer or struggle with some of the techniques. Don't give up. To anyone thinks they can't do this, they can. Check out autismnavigator.org. One thing also about parent-mediated interventions. In that last Canadian sample, 30% of the kids were in full-time daycare. 
This means it may not always be about the parents. It's about the caregivers, whoever they may be. And that's something interesting. Kids' baseline communication challenges and overall adapted functioning contributed to the parents' ability to learn the intervention, suggesting that those kids who are a slightly developmental advantage had higher communication skills and their parents or caregivers learned the intervention better. However, I want to enforce that it doesn't mean that intervention should be limited to those with a certain baseline functioning. While every child may not respond the same, every child should have the same access to behavioral interventions. So this is my plug for parent-mediated interventions. They may not all work as well as each other. They may not be measured the same. They may not all be perfect. They may not all produce the huge impacts on behavior as people are hoping. And they are a lot of work. But when they do work, they produce long-lasting effects on parents and children over both the short term and the long term, and they're definitely worth a try. Thanks for listening this week. Talk to you next Monday.